both. Well, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Good? That was wonderful. Hey, so um, just so you guys know, I, I, the first time I spoke with Tony was, uh, was on one, a Thursday, and I met him on Friday. He and his wife, Janae, they live in Minnesota. They are what we would consider part of our online family, uh, and they tune in each week from afar, and they've just been very blessed by, you know, the ministry, and they, they understand what God's doing here, and they packed up the car, packed the kids in, they got a five-year-old, seven-year-old, and, and hit the road six hours to, to come see us and just to be with us today, and talk about sacrifice, uh, just to be a part of what God's doing, and it is a, it is a joy to, to have you guys. I, I had no idea uh, Tony was uh, a musician that he played the guitar and had a voice, uh, and uh, and what a great gift to be able to minister to us this morning. And that's because, you know, they, um, you know, it's not like we were like, hey, come on out, Tony, please play for us, please. No, he, he just wanted to be a part of what God's doing, and it's a it's a wonderful thing um, to have you guys. So w- we love you. It's um it's a joy for real to have you minister to us uh, this morning. So when people tell me that um, it's a little bit cold today and they can't make it out. Um, I said, well, you know, there is a family of four that drove six hours to be here today. So um, <laughs> it's like excuses are out the window. No, but in all seriousness, you guys that are watching us online, we love you. And, and we are glad you guys are tuning in with us this morning. Um, I, I want to share a couple things this morning with you. Um, yeah, don't feel condemned or anything like that. <laughs> A real smooth transition there. I had a dream. I had a dream um, that, that I'll share with you guys. Yeah, it was on the the twenty fourth of January, and in this dream, it was kind of like this dream that Solomon had. If you guys aren't familiar with this record, Solomon uh, was King David's son, and he was uh, to be king. And God appeared to him in a dream and asked him, "He's like Solomon, if you could have anything." what would it be? I, I grant you anything. And he said, if I could have one thing, it would be wisdom. He didn't ask for the riches of the world. He didn't ask for all these other worldly things. He said, I just want wisdom from you, God. And so I had this dream. It, it was kind of interesting. Um, on, on the 24th of January, so a couple of weeks ago, I had this dream. I'm sitting at the head of a table, <clears throat> and, uh, and it's a line. It's a real fun social gathering, and uh, rather loud. <clears throat> and this, this girl um, here on, on my left, uh, looks over me and she goes, Garrett, if you could have anything in the world, what would it be? If you could have anything in the world, what would it be? And then everyone like, everyone it was like one of those, everyone gets quiet and then just like looks at me and all eyes are on me. And I said, and I started to get choked up and I said, if I could have anything in the world, anything at all, it would be to represent God and his son, Jesus Christ, in absolute purity to my wife, to my kids, and everyone around me all the days of my life. And it was, uh, it was 
in a weird way, kind of awkward for me to say that in front of everybody, uh, to confess that. But I want you to know that that is my heart. That is, that is the, the deepest desire of my heart, to represent Jesus Christ and to represent his Father in the absolute purest way. And I know that there are many of you here that have that same, that same desire, that same desire. Um, and this is uh, something that, you know, has kind of grown into my heart. You know, I haven't always had that. Haven't always, that hasn't always been my goal, you know. But it's funny that the more and more you see God's goodness, the more and more you're like, oh my, I, I just, what I was, the life that I lived, the, the putting on display of who just I am, it doesn't even compare to putting on display who Christ is now in me. And, you know, it's one thing to want something, right? Everyone wants to be like a good person. Everyone wants to be more righteous. But the, the, the real question is, what are you willing to give up to get what you want? See, I've pastored a lot of people over the years, and, and a lot of people want, you know, I want to be like Christ. I, wanna, I, want, I want what God wants for my life. But they're just not willing to give up the things that are prohibiting them from that walk. A couple of weeks ago, I shared with you that, you know, in my life, and, and it's just beautiful how God continues to reveal these things, that there's just like layer after layer that he reveals to us, like, yeah, I'm going to need you to give that up. That thought process, I'm going to need you to give that up. A couple of weeks ago, I shared that I had, to, I had to just give up some, just some sinful actions. I mean, that just didn't align with Christ. Um, I told you it was like 10 years ago, pornography, masturbation, all that stuff. It just, that just had to go. And recently, it was alcohol abuse. That just had to go because it didn't align with Christ's likeness. And so we want this healing. We want this deliverance. We want what God has in store for us. But are we willing to give up certain things? And I believe that this morning there's like this, um, this release that's going to happen in, in your hearts as you're hearing me out. There's this release of kind of this, this, this holding on to some things that you've been holding on to, whether it's a, it's a mindset, it's a thought, or it's an action. I believe that there's just this release that's going to occur in your heart between you and your Heavenly Father to bring you closer into His presence, to bring you more into the life that He has called you to be. There's this great verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, God says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. It takes us who are called by God's name, His people, to humble ourselves, turn from our wicked ways, seek His face, pray, and know that God is going to hear us, and He's going to forgive us in Christ, and He's going to heal us. A lot of people I know want that healing, want that, that, that healing, that delivers. I'm not necessarily just talking about physically. I'm talking about the scars and the pains that life brings us that we kind of in, 
that we just, we just get, we get cut in life, you know? We're trained in a fallen world. We're trained where there's sin, there's evil, there's destruction, there's lies, there's deception. There's a lot of ungodliness. And that's the kind of world that we were raised in. That's called the domain of darkness. <laughs> and is run by an enemy, a thief. So we get cut along the way as we grow up. I was raised, it was like an eye for an eye. If they hurt me, I want to hurt you back twice over. I'm going to get you because no one hurts me. And you learn to it's have this like fight or flight mentality. But we get hurt along the way. But God says, what I want you to do is, <clears throat> first, I want to heal you. But sometimes it's going to take us, in, in most cases, it's going to take us humbling ourselves and letting go of certain things, letting go of some actions, letting go of maybe uh, of some bitterness that we have towards somebody. It's really hard to ask God for forgiveness of your sins when you understand truly how unworthy you are and the lifestyle that you have lived, knowingly or unknowingly. But it's really tough to ask God for that type of forgiveness to be found righteous before him if you yourself are unable and unwilling to forgive somebody else. But God says, humble yourself. And I believe that there's this letting go of pride. And pride in this room and and those who are hearing this, and it's not just this pride like, look at me, look at me. It's this, hey, humble yourself. Recognize that perhaps that action, that mindset, is not found in the mind of, of Christ Jesus, and I'm asking you to let that go because I've got something greater for you. So it's like this, sure, you can have it, God. You can have it. Take that. Take that. I'll I, I let that go. I will let that go. And I know God's going to work in your heart regarding what I'm talking about. I don't want to give you specifics because God is working on your heart. He is desiring you to come into a closer understanding of who he is. And he wants you to enjoy his presence, but sin prohibits that. Sin prohibits that. You can't be living in sin and expecting to receive the goodness and the fullness of God. And that's why some of these people that I, that I disciple and I pastor have a really tough time experiencing the fullness of God because they cannot let go of the sins they're holding on to. They can't let it go. They don't want to. They can't. They can't let it go. They just don't want to. They don't want to. God says, unless you humble yourself, unless you turn from that, you pray to me, you seek my face, I'll heal you, and I'll forgive you. It's going to be good. I've said this many times. You come in as you are. It's just like the kingdom. You come in as you are, but you just can't stay the same. There's this constant growing into who God has made both you and I to be in Jesus Christ. The plans he has for you and I, Glory to glory. We just keep growing into it. So we say, sure, you can have it, God. Take that. Take that action. I'm done with that. Because I believe what you have in store for me is better. When the kids were younger, we'd play with these big blocks. And, and we would teach them at, at a very young age, like, you know, one kid wants the blue block. And the other kid's like, no, the blue block's mine. And you say, look, hey, we, we taught them this. This game is called, sure, you can have it. So if, if, if Brody wants the blue block, Lily, just say, sure, you can have it. 
Oh, well, that's great. Good job. You get a point. And if, if Lily wants the red block, Brody, you just say, sure, you can have it. So it's just this free giveaway. Like, uh, what I have is not mine. Sure, you can have it. And I just hear that God is just calling us to say, God, sure, you can have that. You can have that, God. You can have that. You see, God, <laughs> James 4, 6 says, but God gives more grace. It says he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Grace is favor. Grace is God being able to do in your life something that you cannot do on your own. The dreams, the aspirations, the, 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 the heart cry that you have, you are unable to achieve that on your own. You are unable to live a spiritual life as God has intended on your own just by living through the five senses. It's God's grace through your yes and through your seeking his face, humbling yourself, saying, God, I want what you want more than I want what I see and what I think I want and what feels good. I believe, I believe you're always better. But I, I said before, I feel like there's this like letting go of, 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 of just some pride regarding certain things. And I want to look at this guy by the name of Saul. And Saul <clears throat> is was the, the very first king of the Israelites. So here's kind of like the background. God delivers the Israelites out of Egypt. They were enslaved for 400 years. They go through the wilderness, and then they enter into the promised land. And in this promised land, they see these other nations, and the Israelites are like, hey, these guys have kings. We want a king. We want, we want a man to be king over us, just like these other nations. And although they had prophets that would speak to them as God would be their true king, uh, God's like, all right, you want a king? I'll give you a king. It's not going to be the best for you, but that's what you want. You want a king? I'll give you a king. And so Samuel is the prophet at this time. And Samuel goes to God, and he's like, God, they want a king. What's wrong with them? I mean, this is, this is not going well, but I'm just telling you what they said. And, and God's like, Samuel, it's good. And this is the Garrett, the Garrett translation. Um, he's like, Samuel, it's good. You know what? They're actually not rejecting uh, you. They're rejecting me. So we'll give them a king. They want a king. We'll give them a king. He tells Samuel, he goes, the man that I show you, Tomorrow on such and such day is going to be the king. I'm going to reveal this guy to you, and you're going to anoint him as king. Okay. So that day comes, and Samuel sees this guy by the name of Saul. Now Saul is uh, a man who's from the tribe of Benjamin. He's, uh, uh, he's comes from a family of wealth. They got, they got a lot of money. This guy Saul is, it said, one of the tallest of all the Israelites. And it's said that this guy Saul is among all the Israelites, the most handsome man. This guy has got it together. I mean, this guy's like teed up, perfect to be king. He comes from money, he's tall, and he, this dude's handsome. Okay. And so Samuel comes to him and he says, essentially, God wants you to be, to be king. He wants you to, to lead the Israelites. And so um, Saul fights this in his head, but Okay, and then it comes time for the actual anointing over Saul to be king in front of everybody. And what they would do is they, they brought people from all the different tribes, 
to see this moment. And the time that they go to actually anoint this guy, Saul, they can't find him. He's hiding in the baggage, hiding in the luggage, if you will, the stuff that they brought, all these different tribes. This guy's hiding. Then they find him. They pull him out. Saul anoints him. And it said that God gave Saul a new heart in that moment. Gave him a new heart. He leaves and said the Spirit of God rushed upon him. And Saul saw some good things in his life. He saw some good victories in battle for the Israelites. But the problem with Saul is that he is so insecure about who he is. He does not see himself the way that God sees him. And I want to pick this record up with you in uh, chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, verses uh, 17. And so, uh, just a little bit, little bit further back here, um, God starts to get really ticked off with Saul because he's giving him orders and he doesn't listen. He doesn't obey. Um, he doesn't listen to God's voice. And that's a problem. That is a big, big, big problem. And so God gave him very specific directions to go out and to, to take over uh, uh, this, this, this nation and, uh, and to just literally destroy everything. And the reason why God said that is because that particular group of people brought great harm to the Israelites. And as many times God says, he's like, hey, look, I'm going to fight your battles for you. You don't have to do it. I'll do it. And so that's why God sent Saul to destroy all these people that waged war and, and did some big harm to the Israelites. God's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay them back. So Saul, take the team, destroy them all. Saul spares the king, and he takes the good you know, spoils for himself and the people, and then they destruct all the, kinda like the worthless stuff, right? And so Samuel gets word of this. He's the prophet and just comes to, to Saul. And, and he says this in verse 17 of chapter 15. And Samuel said, talking to Saul, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. He tells him, he says, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? He's like, look, even though you're so insecure in your eyes, even though you see yourself as being really little, maybe not so powerful, unworthy, maybe even though you see yourself as unworthy, did God not anoint you to be king over Israel? Did he not put you in that position? So in other words, it's not based off of how you see yourself or how you feel. It's about the anointing on your life, the calling on your life. Just like Tony said earlier, God's not calling you because you're perfect. He's calling you because he has plans and a purpose for you so that he can essentially show off through you. He wants to show his goodness and his mercy and his kindness and his light for those people that say yes to him. 
That those that have a yielded heart to say, yes, God, I, I, I trust you. I will humble myself knowing that your plan is far better than mine. And although this task before me looks impossible, and although at times I feel like, man, I can't do it. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not equipped enough. I don't know how to, I don't, honestly, I don't know what to say this Sunday. I don't, I don't know what to say to your people, God. I don't feel like I have enough biblical knowledge. I don't feel like I can properly communicate your heart to your people today. So I, I don't really feel this, this good, God, about this. And God's like, it's not even about that. It's about what I have told you to step into. It's my power working through you so that I get glory so that you don't get glory. Because it's not, it's not about your doing. It's about what I can do. And what I can do is far greater. What I can do is far greater. Does anyone ever relate to this? When you look in the mirror, you don't feel worthy. You feel like there's these insecurities. Mm. God's like, nah, in Christ, in Christ, there's an anointing on your life. Did I not, did I not make you the one who is to lead the family as a husband and father? I made you that. Did I not make you one who is to bear my light in your sphere of influence? Did I not put a charge over you to be salt and light in your workplace, in Christ Jesus? Not based off of what you do, but what I can do through you. Man, I just so relate to that so much. Like, when I read that, I was like, man. But it's not even about how I feel or see. And this is a guy, saw who was a good-looking dude. Everything on the outside looked sweet. But still, he had these insecurities because he's looking at the wrong thing. And what happens is, with insecurities, that's the birthplace for pride. If you go down a little bit, if you have your Bibles, um, in verse 24, Saul goes, in the same chapter 15, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. <laughs> I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Fearing the wrong thing. Having reverence and respect for the wrong thing. Your peers, the people. And what that does is it leads to disobedience to God because you're now obeying them. To maybe find favor in somebody's eyes or just to be seen cool or keep the status quo like that type of pride was birthed in insecurities. Yeah, I just believe that God is just showing us right now just that just there's some things that we just got to just give up just get humble on and say God I I ask for forgiveness here on this this is just take that away I just I trust you I fear you God I want to obey your bo- voice and that's the thing with humility you see this like beautiful like this beautiful law it's like uh humility plus uh obedience equals uh, being exalted. <laughs> Humility, saying, okay, 
I'm not, I'm not going to call the shots anymore, God. You call the shots. In fact, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, in whom you, the Scripture says that uh, Jesus Christ was wisdom from God. He was righteousness. He was sanctification. He's redemption unto us. So he's all those things to us. He's wisdom from God to us. Like, that's my king. That's the one I follow now. That's the one who I've decided to choose to live my life by. I was talking, it was Tony. Tony and I were talking about this the other day. Like, you look at the life of Jesus Christ, it's absolutely flawless. Whether or not you believe he's the son of God or not, whatever religion you are, if you, if you look at his life, it is flawless. And if you pick up his teachings, if you pick up his way of life to love one another as you love yourself, and you take on that servant, that humble attitude that Jesus Christ had, it's absolutely flawless. This world would be such a better place. But you see Jesus, he he gives us this wisdom from God of actually how to live, and that's why he is the one we follow. He is the one who is worthy. Um, In Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 through 11, And being found in human form, he, Jesus Christ, humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And bestowed him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, and God exalted him. Isn't it funny? That like you look at, man, you look at the way that the devil tempted Jesus and, and tried to come after him in the wilderness. The first thing he questioned was Jesus' identity. I just love this because it's just like, dude, the devil's such a one-trick pony, man. He's just a, just a punk. He goes after Jesus' identity and he's like, if you truly are the son of God, turn, turn, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus is like, <laughs> nah. Like, I, I'm not falling for that one. Like, <laughs> I'm, uh, I know who I am. I know who I am. And he was obedient to his father, even to the point that even when it got tough, even when there was very difficult things that occurred. You don't see Jesus pulling out the, the white flag, you know, when he's getting whipped saying, you know, God, this is just, I'm done with this. I'm, this, I'm over this, man. We're the angels. Come on. Bring him to fight for me now. I'm done. I'm done with this. But now he was just so obedient to it. He trusted the process. He was so obedient to it because he trusted that his God had a better way for him. And sure enough, three days later, Jesus is raised from the grave and exalted at the right hand of God, being the name above every name. And that's our king. That's the one that's worthy. That's the one that I get to live my life after. That's the one who I get to represent to the world. You get to represent that one. And now the spirit of Jesus Christ lives in you. And you have a new heart. Just like scripture said when Paul or Saul left Samuel, God gave him a new heart. But it's up to you to decide what you want to do with that heart. You still get to make choices. It's your continual yes to God. 
even when things get challenging. You see, there's this level of perseverance that needs to occur. I heard a story this week, uh, or actually it was like two weeks ago, but I've been thinking about it all week. I just can't get the story out of my head. Um, and some of you may have heard this story. It's, uh, it's a true story um, of, a, of a man. Uh, this is the uncle of a guy named R.U. Darby. It was during the gold rush, and this guy, they lived out east, and he heard that there was some gold to be found. Again, during the gold rush, he goes to Colorado and buys some equipment, starts finding some gold. And he goes back home, tells his family, and he's like, dude, there's a lot of good stuff here. So we need equipment, we need the resources, we need the manpower. So they get a team and they go back to Colorado and they start digging for gold. They start digging for gold and they're finding some gold. This is like amazing. They're jumping up and down. They're all excited. They're able to pay off a whole bunch of debt and they're just super excited for the promise of what could come because they got word that this could be one of the largest gold mines. And so they continue digging, and one day it just dries up. The vein of gold just totally dried up. So they keep digging, they keep digging, they keep digging, and they got nothing left. And so very frustrated, they go to this junk man in the area, and they sell off all their equipment. Guys, time to pack up. Let's go back out east. And so they sell all their gold equipment, gold mining equipment, to this junk man. And this junk man, before turning around and selling it himself, he enlists the help of an engineer, a mining engineer, to just kind of get like a second look. Like, is this really like dried up? And the mining engineer comes in and says, this is, this is not dry. <laughs> in fact, they stopped digging three feet before they were to hit one of the largest gold veins. And so that junk man became real rich. (laughs) But I just feel that there's this like, this call to like not give up just because you might hit like a dry spot, right? Just because you don't see the instant fruit of your obedience and humility, don't give up. Because I just believe that we are on the brink of some like really, really big things. You personally are on the brink of some really, really big things and experiencing God in a greater measure than what you ever have. But it's just this call to just, just keep pressing on, you know. Keep pressing on. Keep making that Righteous choice, as God has called you to, because it's not easy. Yes, there is definitely sacrifice in this. But I just feel like you're, you're three feet away. You're three feet away. Just keeping that, keep making that righteous choice. Keep trusting him. You're three feet away from just tremendous breakthrough. It's right there. If you're not experiencing the fruit of the spirit in a certain area, you're, you're right there. If you're not hearing God in scripture as you're reading, you're like, man, it's been a week and I really haven't, like, nothing's really stood out to me. I'm like, just, just keep getting into it. Just keep sitting there. Scripture's like generational. Well, Danny and I were talking about this the other day. It's like time spent in the word, in God's, in God's word sitting with him. Like, you can't just, that's not a quick fix. You can't just get 
this. Like for me, it's been 12 years of just, just studying God's word and enjoying it and just, just learning and, and learning to live by what he said. And throughout my Bible, I underline, I, I write notes of things that he's telling me. And now I get to go back and, and when I sit and pray, sometimes I'll just look at the notes and look at the promises. And I'm like, I just saw Danny the other day. I'm like, man, this is like something like you just can't just get this. Like I, I just want... I want y'all to experience what I have, you know? But it comes with time. It comes with your continued yes. And so uh, I'm going to close with this verse here right now. Um, This is Philippians 3, 8, verse 12. (laughs) No, Philippians 3, uh, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this, Paul speaking, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I strain and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. He says, I press on to make it my own. What's that it? That it is the newness of life that God's got in store for you. So I believe, like I said, I believe you have the same heart as I, as I have. That you want to represent God and the Lord Jesus Christ to your family, to those around you, in the purest way. And I'm just saying, just keep pressing on. Keep making those tough decisions that maybe have to do away with something, or those decisions that have to forgive somebody, or those decisions that you just have to just maybe change the day, the day, you know? We all got the same amount of time. We were in a meeting a couple weeks ago, and Pastor Stephen was like, look, he's like, we all been given the same amount of time in the day. Don't tell me you don't have the time. We've all been given 24 hours. It's just, what are you going to do with the 24 hours? So, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm thankful. I really am. I'm thankful that we have a help in this, you know. It's not up to you to do it on your own. Jesus Christ has given us his spirit. He's placed that spirit in our hearts. And that's a spirit of power, love, and self-control, okay. So, I, know, I understand that you very well may be struggling with something that you're like, that has been brought up to you as I've been speaking, that you're like, man, well, I've tried to go there before, and I just I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't claim victory over it. I keep going back to that maybe sinful action or that, that thought that I just know is just, just based in insecurity. It's not what God says about me. But I just want to let you know you've got to help in this thing. And I want you to lean in. I want you to press on to that life that is yours, that help that is yours through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to pray with you right now because I do believe that there is um, tremendous breakthrough for you to be able to represent God and his son in greater measure. Do me a favor and put your hand on your heart. God, I thank you that we would... mm,
Wow, yes, Father. I thank you, Father, that we would be people, just a, a, a group of people like Samuel, who you rise up for yourself to do according to all that is in your heart and your mind. Father, that we would be faithful ones that represent you to the world. Father, I thank you for just the power of Jesus Christ. The one who has claimed victory over everything and now in his name we get to walk up like champions in whatever area of darkness that is in that heart and in that mind. Any wound that we've had, Father, I thank you, God, that you have given us a champion that we can represent in that area of our hearts and in our lives, that we can claim victory in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I thank you for the freedom that is found in humility. Father, I thank you for leading us into all that is right and pure in your eyes, Father, so that you would get all the glory, Father God. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ I pray. Amen. I love you guys. Let's have a wonderful, wonderful week. Represent him. Amen? Amen. All right.